0: We'll work till Jesus comes. Let's all stand together. We'll sing all three verses. Oh, land of rest for thee, I sigh. When will the moment come when I shall? I fled for rest. He bade me cease to roam and lean for succor on his breast till he conducts me home. We'll work till Jesus comes. We'll your side no more my steps to roam with him I'll brave death's chilling tide and reach my heavenly you and please be seated
1: all right uh, miss Susan I appreciate you filling in and playing tonight did a great job thank you Robbie and also for all those who are working soundboard and uh, helping us with uh, all those who are either sick or uh, taking care of their family we appreciate them and uh, sorry for my absence last week I just one of those victims with the, uh, had the stomach bug. So, uh, it's going around for sure, but I'm thankful to be back and, uh, upright. And so, um, I have a story, Joe Godwin, uh, told me one time that he had the flu and, uh, he didn't have, he did not have anybody to fill in for him. And so, um, and so he went on and was decided to come to church anyway. And, and, uh, he ran off the stage and, um, started getting sick in the men's restroom. The only problem was the sound man never turned off his microphone <laughs> So, if that happens to me on Sunday morning, you better turn off that microphone. <laughs> it is good to it's good to be back uh, here in the life of David. Second Samuel chapter thirteen. We went up, we went over a very, very sad portion of scripture. Somebody came to me at the end of Sunday night, and we talked about Tamar and the rape of Tamar and Amnon warning her and warning her. It was a lust. I explained that word love. And I said that, uh, and, and, and soon as he had finished with her, he hated her more than he loved her. And if you remember, he pushed her out. She ripped her clothes off of her arms. And it was a result that she was no longer a virgin. Uh, From that one act, that woman never married. And do you remember whose house she stayed in for the rest of her life? Absalom. Absalom. That's where she lived for the rest of her life. Now, that's going to play a very important role. The sad thing is, is why is it that God would allow something like that? I'll tell you, tragedy all over the world occurs like that. And, uh, and I tell you, we have a righteous God, and uh, God's way is perfect. And I don't understand uh, all of that. There's a lot of tragedy going on in the world like that uh, for people who are innocent. I understand we're all sinners, but you understand they did not bring this on themselves. We're looking at the second part of this story of, the, of Amnon and Tamar in 2 Samuel chapter 13. So the rape has now occurred. Uh Tamar goes back to Absalom's house, weeping and crying. And the Bible says that Absalom, when she walks in that door, he asked her, did Amnon rape you? And she said, yes. And as soon as that was over, he said, be quiet, be quiet. Don't share this. Don't let anybody know. Now, honestly, when she walked out in that street, people knew. David was told, and David became angry. But did he, did he do anything about it? Did he punish his son in any way, form, or fashion? David had, he had weaknesses with women, but David also had weaknesses with his own children. He did not discipline his own children. And all of this is coming back to haunt him uh, soon. As you think about what we've gone through with David's life What are some adjectives that you would use to describe David? Some of you would be, wow, in, you know, when he was fighting Goliath, man, strength, faithfulness, you know, no fear. Um, and then as you see him in the wilderness, wow, tired, running scared, but yet still faithful, uh, still genuine friend to Saul. I mean, all these things have we, as we've gotten into this portion of scripture, I imagine your adjectives have probably changed describing David and you start seeing his life uh, and and where he is going in his life. Let's begin in verse 23. Remember, Absalom hasn't spoke to Amnon in two years now, and, uh, and neither good or bad, the Bible says. Verse 23. Now, it came about after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons to celebrate. So now this long span of hatred... If you've ever been with somebody or lived with somebody that you saw something tragic happen to, such as if if you saw something happen to your kid and as a result of the tragedy that happened to their kid, maybe it was a fight at school and they had nothing to do with it and they were slammed against the locker and they now have brain damage for the rest of their life and, and you're taking care of this, this child who is Has brain damage permanently. They will not have a, they will not be able to hold down a job. They will not be able to get married. They will not, whatever it is. Can you imagine seeing your child that was innocent walking down the hall and something like this happens? And you are seeing this every day. You're helping your child now go to the bathroom where this was a perfectly healthy young man or young woman. I want to put all that in perspective. Tamar is in Absalom's house. Every day, not allowed to go out, not to expose herself in any way, form or fashion. And he watches his sister every day. He watches the tears that were flying, the mourning, the grieving. He sees all of this. And after so long of dealing with this, Absalom is now ready to make his move on his brother. And the Bible says that it was time to shear the sheep. So this was a festive time. This was always a festive time. I've preached on this before. Now, this was a time where people would come together and it was this huge celebration. It was this huge meal for all the people to come there. And literally they would they would drink wine and they would they would kill kill some of the lambs and they would eat. And it was just a big festival. They would dance. And so, and so Absalom. Is, is getting ready, he is inviting all of David's sons to come and celebrate the sheep searing. So now, I want to say this. The reason all the sons are invited is to conceal what Absalom's plan is. All the sons are going to be here in one spot. So he's like, hey, can all my brothers come? I don't know how many there are. But there's multiple wives, multiple relationships. And so he said, I want all my brothers. So here's the plan. Verse 24. And Absalom came to the king and said, behold, now your servant has sheep shears. May the king and his servants please go with your servant. All right. And so here's the plan. David, will you give permission to send your sons? And Amnon, would you give your permission? Now, what's important to this? Do you remember what Amnon asked David? Please send my sister Tamar. Would you have her make pastries right in front of me and feed me? Would you do it? David walks up to Tamar. Go take care of your brother. David was the one that gave permission. Now Absalom goes to David and he says, would you send your sons? David is going to be the one to give permission here. And so it, it makes it look like he's not just singling Amnon out, which this is the plan. You know this. Amnon is the one that Absalom is is after. He's watched Tamar suffer day after day year after year 2 years now and he's seen the tears and he has grieved in his heart here is a woman that will never be married and bitterness and resentment has built up in his life and honestly if david would have handled his son all of this would have never transpired was getting ready to take place, not in this chapter, but the next chapter. In the next chapter, David didn't handle his responsibility. Verse 25. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, we should not all go, so that we will not be a burden to you, though he urged him. He would not go, but he blessed him. All of a sudden, uh, David... I put this in your notes. Did he smell a rat? Did he smell a rat? Oh, no, son. We're not all going to go because we'll be nothing but a burden to you. I mean, Absalom, you haven't spoke to some of these for some time, especially Amnon, and now you are wanting them to come to your party. I don't know if David smelled a rat or how many times have you been invited over for dinner or something, you're like, I don't want to be a bother. No, I, no, no, no. Don't go through all that work. Maybe it was legitimate as that, but I think David may have thought there's just a, a maybe a problem. But then Absalom keeps pushing him. Please, send send my brothers. Why won't you just let me enjoy this festival and be with my brothers? He's pushing him. Now, by the way, when David blessed him, it was Absalom you have my blessing, son. May God be with you. Enjoy your festival. Dad, come here. Please, just just send, send all my brothers. Why don't you want me to spend time with them? It's no burden at all. Look, I've got plenty. You can hear his voice. Verse 26. Then Aslam said, If not, please have my brother Amnon go with us. But the king said, Why should he go with you? Now, I want you to understand the desperation in Absalom's voice when David's walking out the door and he grabs him and says dad if you don't if you think all the burdens are, uh, the brothers are going to be too much of a burden he said how about this sin Amnon Red flags should have went up everywhere. They haven't spoke in two years. Hey, how you doing? I hate you. This is what you did to my sister. There had been no conversation between them in two years. Dad, sin Amnon. He got down to the point. And David asked the question, why? Why him? Why? Now, I want you to understand the Bible is very clear that we only know a small portion of what actually happened in the times. Jesus' teachings, the Bible says that if they recorded everything that Jesus said and taught, there would be not enough volumes to be able to hold it all. I mean, if you filled in the blank here, and I'm not trying to add to Scripture, if you filled in the blank, Dad, I just want to make things right. Dad, I just want to make sure that we're on. I haven't spoke to him. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Absalom's begging and pleading. What is he really saying to David that's not recorded in the scriptures? Verse 27. Nevertheless, Absalom urged him. So he let Amnon and all the king's son go with him. All right. So the word nevertheless here means this against his better judgment. That's what nevertheless means. Against his better judgment. And so, do you remember what Nathan said after the sin with Bathsheba, the baby dies? One of the curses was this. The sword, David, will never leave your house. Your family will continuously fight against one another. Against David's better judgment. What was David thinking was going to happen? They haven't spoken two years, but here the word urge keeps coming up. I can hear Absalom going, David, Dad, I just want to tell you. I just want to make this right. I just want to see him through. I want to make sure that we're good now. And the whole time he's lying right through his teeth and all he can see is his sister Tamar. She cries herself to sleep so many nights. But against his better judgment, have you ever said that before? I knew I should not have. Right? I was listening to a testimony of a woman one time, and uh, her son was going out for the evening, and she said, "Son, you need to you need to stay home tonight. You need to stay home tonight. Why, Mom? I'm just I'm going over with some friends." Mom, we don't drink. We don't do drugs. I mean, son, I just have a bad feeling about tonight. Mom, I'll be okay. These four young men were sitting in a house and a gang, a car full of gang members pulled up and they shot into this house. By the way, had the wrong house and killed her son at 14 years old. She gets the call that her son's been killed, and she said, I knew something was going to happen, and I knew I shouldn't have let him go against my better judgment. This is the word here, against David's better judgment. He let Amnon go. So this is how I think he justified it. I think personally, he got his sons together in a huddle. Okay, guys, here's the deal Absalom's throwing a festival, he's throwing a party, and he's inviting all of you to go. He asked if Amnon can come, and I'm thinking, we ain't spoken two years. This is not good. By the way, who is at Absalom's house still? Tamar. Tamar and Amnon are now going to be back under the same roof. Have you ever seen where people see the person who raped them or abused them or broke into their house for the first time coming back into court? Fear strikes them. Can you imagine Tamar as she sees Amnon for the first time in two years thinking about the rape? Now remember, all this is... I mean, two years have gone by, but it's still fresh. And so David has this little huddle with his his sons, and he said, now look, he wanted Amnon to come, but I'm letting all of you go watch your brothers back. See, David's not handling the sin of Amnon. He's protecting his son. And if he would have handled it, he wouldn't have to say, watch your brothers back. The Old Testament is very clear that he was to be what? He was to be killed. And now we go to verse 28. And then Absalom commanded his servants, saying, See now, when Amnon's heart is cheerful with wine, I say to you, strike Amnon and put him to death. Do not fear. I've commanded you myself. Be courageous, be valiant." <clears throat> so here's the plan, you know, like many times we've already read. We're going to get him. We're going to get him drunk. You know, This and that's what David did to Uriah. Go get drunk. Go sleep with your wife. Absalom said, I learned this trick from my daddy. We're going to get Amnon drunk and servants keep serving it to him until he's delirious. And I, and then I want you to do this. I want you to strike him after he's drunk. Now, I think this is pretty clever on Absalom's part. I, Absalom is 100% responsible. He just doesn't raise the knife, and I think Absalom was protecting himself in the future, saying, "But I didn't kill him." But ultimately, he did. We know that. But I, there's one. There's a reason. And then it could have been this. It could have been once he got really drunk, "Hey, I got I gotta go to the bathroom," and Absalom says, "Down the hall on the left." And Absalom's staying there because what are the brothers doing? They're watching Absalom. If Absalom leaves, one of the brothers goes with him. So Absalom's standing there. And the servant sees Amnon leave. Right? I'm trying to think. Just fill in all these gaps. But here, look at what he says. He says, do not fear to his servants. Why? Because the servants are going, kill the king's son. I'm out. Mm-mm. I'm out. He said, Look, don't be afraid. He said, I am telling you to do this. You know what? One of them should have said, I don't care who's telling me to do this. I'm out. But he said, Don't he said, Look, I am the one doing this. I am the one commanding this. Verse 29. And the servants of Absalom did to Amnon just as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons got up and each mounted his mule and they fled. So I'm going to go to the bathroom or whatever. He leaves their sight and all of a sudden Amnon don't come back and somebody says, hey, where's Amnon? And Absalom's like, I don't know, I've been right here. Hey, hey, let's go find out where Amnon is. All of a sudden they walk down the hall and there's a puddle of blood and a knife sticking out of him and there's no servants to be found. What well, they got? They got out of Dodge. Oh, Amnon's dead, Amnon's dead. And all of a sudden, here they all jump on their their mules, their horses, their camels. And away they go because why? Now they're afraid for their own lives. And all the king's sons, I thought about this. I didn't think it'd take them long to sober up after that, did it? Because they knew that they were responsible for their brother. They knew that this was a possibility. And I imagine this was a sobering ride back. Verse 30. Now it was while they were on the way that the report came to David saying Absalom has struck and killed all the king's son and not one of them is left. Now here's the problem. I, I don't understand this. I don't know if they had a candle and they were sending SOS signals, Morse code or whatever. But here's the thing. The word got to David before the sons got back to the house. Okay. I do not know how that occurred. A report came in. Bad news. By the way, isn't this normal? You ever watch the news and there's a, there's a, let's say that somebody goes off the bridge and all of a sudden the news says four cars went off the bridge today. Fifteen people had died. Three burned up in the car. It's a tragedy. Then when the final news comes out, one person went off the bridge. They were able to jump out before the car went over, you know. The initial report was Absalom's killed them all. By the way, this is probably believable. Absalom probably was angry at all of them because nobody did anything to Amnon. He is sitting here living with Tamar day after day, watching her cry, watching her go through this. It is a miserable experience for Absalom. Absalom relives the rape every day, every time he looks in Tamar's face. And so here it is. Nobody is left. Let's go to verse 31. Then the king stood up. He tore his clothes, lay on the ground, and all of his servants were standing by the clothes, and they tore them too. And so now the morning really begins. Why? David's tearing his clothes. Who gave permission for all the sons to go there? David did. David's thinking, I just killed all my sons. I have no sons left. And it's my fault. But then it says the servants tore their clothes. Now, I would imagine that some of them were just trying to show compassion for David. There may have been some in there that could care less for Amnon. They knew what he did. there, There might have been some in there that said that he deserved exactly what he got. But I also thought about some of these same servants where maybe been some of the ones that he said, go get Bathsheba, and one of those servants made us say, hey, uh, isn't this Uriah's wife? David, is this a good choice? Maybe some of those servants are sitting back watching all of this unfold for their very eyes and saying, all this prophecy is coming true right before my eyes. How many of you have thought about that as you watched the news in the past two weeks with Russia and Ukraine and the Bible talking about the armies coming down from the north? We possibly are watching prophecy being fulfilled right before our very eyes. And I imagine some of these servants are sitting there watching that. They were there. They heard Nathan saying all these things. But then here comes this snake in verse 32, and he is a snake in the grass. Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother responded, let my Lord not assume that they have put to death all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead because he has been set up by the intent of Absalom since the day that he violated his sister Tamar. Do you remember who Jonadab is? We, We spoke about him. Jonadab was Amnon's cousin, and he walks in to Amnon. He said, Amnon, you look sick. How can the king's son, with all that you have, be so grieving and you look sick to your stomach? What's wrong with you, man? He said, I'm in love with my sister, and I want her, and I can't have her. And it was Jonadab that said, I got a plan. It was Jonadab that thought up all of this, And now this snake in the grass is hanging out with the brothers, hanging out with David, and David is allowing it. You know what? I don't believe David knew that Jonadab was the one who was the initiator of all of this nonsense. And so he had been punished. And he said, listen, listen, David, back up. This is the voice of reason. I got one of those in my house. Been married to her for a long time. Don't assume all are dead. It's probably just Amnon. You're just getting some bad news. I mean, he honestly he did all this, David, to set up Amnon. I mean, you knew this. Your better judgment told you don't send them all, especially not Amnon but you did it anyway. I mean, listen to his voice. This snake in the grass was the one that caused all this. You know, Amnon acted upon it, but it was his plan. Now listen, David, you know, that's probably not the case. Verse 33. So now my Lord King, not take the report to heart, claiming all the king's sons are dead, but only Amnon is dead. He said, don't listen to this. Jonadab comes in delivering good news, right? I want to show you things in a different light. He's very sure of himself. He's trying to get, you know, make sure that if his name ever gets out that he was the one that caused all this. That they see him in a different. David sees him in a different light. I'm bringing you good news, David. Only Amnon is dead. He's very sure of himself because he knew that Absalom hated Amnon, and he knew that it was just a matter of time. It was funny. As I thought about this, Jonadab was quick to give advice to how he could rape his uh, his cousin, Amnon's sister, but Jonadab should have gave some advice to Amnon to say, you need to run. You need to get away from your brother. And if you ever have the opportunity to be around him, you need to run, run, run. Verse 34, now Absalom had fled the young man who was with the watchman, raised his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were... Coming from the road behind him and the side of the mountain, Absalom had his bags packed. All the festival, all the party, all the sheep shearing, all that stuff. He ran. But as I thought about this, who did he leave behind? He left his sister Tamar to stay in that house for the rest of her days. She's there alone now. Now think about this. Whose body is laying in that house? The servant's scattered. Hey, the master's gone. Servant's scattered. Tamar is in that house with her dead rapist. I'm not trying to add anything to Scripture, but there's part of me that wonders if she grabbed that knife and she probably took a few out on herself, right? Right? Or does she take off running? But you know what? I can't imagine Tamar sitting there looking at her dead half-brother who raped her the last time he saw her. Maybe she felt that vengeance had been paid back. Maybe she sat there and cried, but Absalom leaves his sister with the dead body of her rapist in that house. And all of a sudden, the watchman... There was always a watchman making sure the armies wouldn't come and they could alert. And they see over the horizon from the moon and the stars. They see all these riders coming. And he knew then that this was good. Verse 35, and Jonadab said to the king, behold, the king's sons have come. It happened just as I told you, David, with a smile on his face, little snake. They've come. This is exciting news to David. I mean, you can imagine him, you know, trying to clean himself up. It said, just like I told you, David, I told you, I told you not all of them were dead. Isn't that good news? I told you he probably just killed Amnon. I told you, David, I'm the man. You're the man that started all this. Verse 36, as soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and they raised their voices and they wept and the king and all of his servants also wept very profusely. So here they come, they're riding across that mountain. You know what they were thinking? They were riding hard. You know what they were probably thinking? Absalom is right behind us. Can you imagine being the last person in line? Anybody ever played in the cemetery at night as a kid or in the woods at night? And somebody would hear something. What was that? And everybody takes off running. It is a terrible thing to be the last kid in line because you're just waiting. I'm getting ready to get it. I can imagine whoever had the slowest mule, camel, or donkey in the back. He's just waiting for Absalom to slice his head off. Well, they come in and they all break down and they're weeping. David's rejoicing that he has all of his sons, but he knows this is true. But remember, if David would have handled the correction of his elder son Amnon, none of this would have been a cause for Absalom to rebel. Verse 37, Now Absalom had fled and gone to Geshur, to the king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. Now this is interesting right here. Absalom fled to Geshur, Because Gesher is not a city of refuge, okay? Why wouldn't David flee to a city of, I mean, Absalom flee to the city of refuge? Because if you flee to a city of refuge, all right, what what this entitled was this. In the Old Testament, there were six cities of refuge that somebody who unintentionally murdered somebody else could flee to the city and nobody could come in and kill them and it would assure that they would have a proper um, a, a proper trial. Golan, Ramoth, Bozar, Kedesh, Shechem, Hebron. Those were the six cities of refuge. Let's say that you were out shooting your arrow one day and all of a sudden you shot it and it was a mishit and a guy walked out from the corner and you killed him. You get on your donkey or camel and horse, and you took off to get, you took off the Hebron or wherever, one of these, nobody could touch you there. But if you stayed in the city where you were at, the family could come kill you unintentional. So, why is it that Absalom ran to Gesher? It's not the city of refuge because it was intentional. This was an intentional murder. So, it didn't matter if he ran to the city of refuge, he could still be killed. But he goes to Gesher. Because Absalom's mother, Ma'ah, that was her father. The king of Gesher was his grandfather. You grandparents, anytime your grandkids get into trouble, what do they say? I'm calling grandma. Grandma gets on the phone, oh, baby, it's okay, I'll come get you, right? You know what Absalom said? I'm going to grandfather's. He ran to his granddaddy's house. And he stays there for three years. So now, remember, David didn't handle Amnon. He lost one son. Now he's got another son. This gone, for three straight years, he's lost another son. And all of this has the result of what Nathan said with David and Bathsheba in the last verse, in the heart of King David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was comforted regarding Amnon since he was dead. He, every day, he longed to go see his son some of you have kids that are away in college right now, and you think about them every day, and you 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 miss them. Imagine, I, and I tell you, I think this is worse. Some of you that experience death in, in your families and all, there's a grieving point, mourning point, and then you, you kind of work through that. Not that you still don't miss them. How many of you had a a long relationship, a dating relationship that was very long that you remember as a teenager or even a young adult? How many of you have ever been in a long relationship that didn't work out? That didn't work out. All right. I'll never forget. I was in a relation, a long relationship. It had to be like six months, right? A long relationship. And I'll never forget the first time pulling up and seeing another guy holding her hand. I was like, ah, right? I think that when you lose somebody and they're still living and they're gone, I think it's sometimes worse than death because they're still on the earth. It's hard to move on. And for three years, David knew Absalom was still alive and he just longed to see his son. And the Bible says he was comforted regarding Amnon. It looks like comforted. The word comforted means to grieve, to breathe. <gasps> it's to breathe strongly is that word there. Now there's a man named Joab, David's right-hand man, and he's been watching for three years David go through this grieving process. And Joab comes Sunday night, Is going to strike up a plan. Now, I want to tell you, this is the next passage is not easy to interpret, but I have done my best to lay it all out for us so we can understand it. But Joab is trying to protect the kingdom because he sees something is getting ready to happen. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time. We thank you for these verses. And God, we do learn that we need to handle the issues and problems that come up and not put them aside because there's a price to pay if we do not. God, we know that bitterness and resentment can build up in our lives to the point where we even hate in our heart and may even commit physical murder. God, I pray that we see the mistakes that David made, learn from these mistakes, but yet we still see him and you regard him as a man after your own heart, despite what he has done, but because his repentance, Lord, we see that he is nowhere close to perfect. And God, we are not to compare ourselves to him by no way, form, or fashion, because we are all sinners in need of a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. You're dismissed.